We are back at the Edify series. Can you imagine this thing's going on and on? Here we are. This is one of those kind of series where we look at a number of basic foundational truths and build from there. And also we watch the echoes of these things as they go through scripture and gives us a clue as to what God is doing and how we fit into it. Well, we can look, uh, check the news every day and see the echoes as this thing is working itself out. It's all around us all the time. And we can see how God is still moving things in the direction that he desires, the battle that still is on, and how we can be a part of all that God is doing. So welcome to edify, reframe, renew, return. We'll still look at some things that will be uh, kind of mind-blowing at times as we go through this and and find out what God intended and to, from the beginning and that he is bringing about as we move towards the end. So the scattering. This is a taking us back to, to the book of Genesis and we have three, the three rebellions, the, the rebellion in Genesis 3 with uh, the approach of a supernatural being in the form of a snake dealing with human beings represented, representing all human beings at the time. And we have the rebellion against God by Adam and Eve, the being separated from God, from paradise from the garden of eden moved out into to the world and 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 then things are broken it's not the same anymore death has entered into uh life into the world things are going to change so that that rebellion has taken place another one in genesis chapter six and there's some heavenly beings who partake in in uh, joining into the flesh and then we have a whole mess that comes out of that. God says, that's it. It's corruption. So now, floods the earth. That rebellion leads, leads to those consequences. We start with a new earth, and we have a family on a boat that's going to be the, the foundation for the new world that exists. And with that one, they begin to have children and their children's children, and now we have a group of them, and they gather together, and say, you know, God told us to fill the earth, to scatter, to go out. We don't want to do that. A rebellion, once again. So that's where we get this in the third rebellion. This one is at Babel. And at Babel, they have gathered together, built a tower, the tower representing a, a, a temple, a way of climbing up high and getting to control, getting in a place where they can control, manipulate God. So they move to this temple area, or, or they attempt to. God says, nah, not so much, and scatters them by uh, changing their languages. And that's where we pick this up. Babel, Genesis 11, 9. Uh, this is from Babel to the world. That's why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. And this way, he scattered them all over the world. They couldn't understand each other, so now they're not getting along so well. They can't team up and say, well, it's us against God or us controlling God. or We just don't want to do what he's told us. Well, now they scatter. Now they're doing what he told them. But we have 
a list of nations that's given us in Genesis. And there are, as these nations are, are names of people, there are 70. So the, in the table of nations, in Genesis 10, we get these 70 nations. And then they, they go out. And, they, and they're scattered, and they, they're scattered from Babel's in Mesopotamia, so that, from that area out to the east to the west, and so across uh, Asia down through well, what we call Asia and the Middle East and into Europe down to Africa, and this thing is taken off. So the scattering has happened. The clans, the people uh, have now moved out. So the nations... We're given this in Genesis 10, chapter 10, verse 32. These are the clans that descended from Noah's sons, arranged by nation according to their lines of descent. All the nations of the earth descended from these clans after the great flood. And these are sort of uh, areas in the Bible when you're reading through the scriptures that often are skipped over. You know, you get to that list of, so, so-and-so in the old you know, King James begat, so-and-so died, begat, died. Begat. So you just go, I'm done, with, I'm done with the begats. These are, in Hebrew, the toledot. Toledots, they are the, the list of the, this biography, this list of family mattered. We may get bored by it, but when we go back and look at it, we can see these things being traced out around the world. And, and there are tracks of these things that are fascinating, and you go, well, what difference does it make to me? You wouldn't be here. This is you. You go back to somebody in the list. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. Okay, so that matters a little bit, but we have a world that's changed as a result of what God has done in dealing with his people. He wants his people, as we created a world for this to happen, to to be able to connect with him, they'd be blessed, they, and they would be a blessing because they'd take care of the world and, and other people, and all of that would happen, and it broke down because of, of these rebellions. So now we're scattered. And then we have behind the scenes. So this is where often we have to go back and reframe our thinking and, and look at this in a uh, different way. When God created the heavens and the earth, he wasn't there alone he had already created the heaven of heavens he had already created the heavenly beings who populate the heaven of heavens they're with him they're part of his partnership and he wanted relationship he he wanted them to be part of it on top of that he wanted people he wanted physical beings so he made this physical world it's different than the the spiritual dimension and how he how he designed that so then this one is here and some of those rebelled which is how we got into this mess. But we have the nations. We have the 70 nations. And this is when the rebellion happened in Babel. There were the heavenly beings that God is, as he divides the nations, he's going to send heavenly beings to be representatives to go with the people, with the nations. They are there to help them along, to guide them, but also to point them back to the Most High God. And as we've gone through this series, you know that those are the small G gods that show up in various cultures. And those small G gods 
took it upon themselves to say, I don't want to point people to the Most High, though they, rec they, they recognize the Most High. They know he's the Most High. They're not fooling themselves. They just didn't want to recognize him, didn't want the people to recognize him. So they say, hey, worship me. I'm Zeus. I'm Jupiter. I'm whoever. So, hey, look at me. And around the world, we got those things going on. But they started out being representatives and God's ambassadors to guide, to go with the people. So in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 8 and 9, when the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the people according to the number in his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He divides up. The people, the nations, the, the people groups that take off. And we have the 70 listed in Genesis 10. So here's the 70 nations according to the number of the heavenly court. So whoever was represented there and that the, the uh, council and th that God is dealing with, these other heavenly beings that are part of his group and, and planning, he's sending them out. So they're assumably 70 of them to go with the nations that are now taken off and moving across the planet. So we've got God assigning those lands. He holds on to Israel, and he's going to make the people of Israel a special thing. So he pulls them out. That's what you get as you're just going through. So Genesis 11, the scattering, Babel. The end of chapter 11, there is the Toledot, the story of the biography of Terah, who is the father of Abraham, which then we get his story beginning in chapter 12. So there, there's this line, uh, how these things all come together, and God is going to work with this group. He chooses this, this line that's going to come from Abraham, and he's going to work with them to point people to himself, to help people realize he is the Most High, to give them access to him once again. And, so, and he's tied that all together uh, through history, through revealing himself in creation and the, the reality of, of who God is in uh, various ways throughout different cultures and, and individuals. But Israel's going to be his special possession. So he's taken the, that nation, and we pick up later that he's also assigned the Archangel Michael to be taking care of them, watching out for them. You know, we, so we have other pieces and parts to that as well. Then, because we're looking today at Jesus, Lord of the nations, so I, I wanted you to think in terms of, okay, there, there are these nations out there. We had this, this rebellion and a scattering. There's, there are the physical, practical, material people on the earth, but there's also another level of things going on that are beyond, in the spiritual realm, that are beyond the physical. So God is, he's dealing with all of it, and he's trying to work with all of it, and he's going to address all the rebellions in, in, in the spiritual realm and on earth. So he's bringing all those things together. And Jesus is the key to all of this. Uh, Jesus, the Messiah. We find this in Matthew 12, 
And we, we get this story of God bringing people around, the nations, the people out there. And in his name, the Gentiles, all the nations of the world, will hope. They'll have confidence. They will come back. It is in him that all the nations, Matthew 12, 21, and the Amplified helps because it gives you some extra words, all the nations of the world. So all those that got scattered now can have hope because Jesus has come and he is in the line of Abraham and he's the one that was promised even way back in Genesis chapter 3. God said, I'm sending somebody. He's going to crush the head of that snake. We're, we're going to win. It's going to look like we're not going to win, but we're going to win. And he brings it back around. And Jesus is the Messiah that's going to bring the nations back. But sometimes when you read a, a verse like that, well, yeah, they're going to have hope. Jesus, you know, we've got all of our Christmas songs. But there's something enormous happening here. It's the nations, the nations that scattered as a result of the rebellion and the things that's happened around the world and now it's coming back in him. What he is doing is unimaginable. How can you take this diverse world and you just look around? How do people get along if you put on a mask, if you don't put on a mask? If you get vaccinated, you don't get vaccinated. There's a big reason to fight and yell and holler. Afghanistan. I don't know. How come we can't get along? Just, you know, if just love one another. Or if you're a Beatle fan, give, give peace a chance. Yeah, right. We're fighting all the time over anything and everything. And it happens if you just have two people together. It won't take long, let alone nations. Jesus is the hope of all the nations, all the people groups. He's going to bring this thing back. There's something exciting in this, just to see what, what he's going to pull off. So let me take you back to the Gospels. And this is an event that takes place uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus has his guys. They, they are uh, going to take a trip. There are so many lessons in this. I have to calm down. All right. They're on the Sea of Galilee. They are going. He says, let's go to the other side. And he is pointing them to the area called Decapolis. It's a, the ten cities that are on the opposite side. That is Gentile territory. It's Roman Empire uh, pagan. And, and Israel's under the Roman Empire, but they have a king, and at this point they still have rulership, uh, sub-rulership of their own territory. But on the other side, that's non-Jewish. It's, it's, it's a section of Decapolis that touches... The Sea of Galilee, it goes out from there, it goes to Damascus, and it picks up uh, all, all the way in south Dead Sea, across the other side, and we've, we've got some uh, big area here, but this is, this is Roman. The legion that was there, their emblem was the, the, uh, the boar's head. So pigs are a big thing, That's, and, and they also worshipped often used pigs as, as a means of uh, putting them on the altar as a sacrifice. And you know in Israel, uh, no bacon, no ham sandwiches, no pork. You, you don't raise pigs, you don't eat pigs, and you certainly do not sacrifice a pig. 
you, you got lambs and, and bulls and a whole variety, but nope, no pigs. So give you part of the story. They, uh, Jesus says, let's go to the other side. On the way, a storm comes up. These are sailors, or many of them are experienced sailors on these waters. And they are scared to death because of the storm that blows up. You go, that's an interesting storm. And, they, and they're convinced the fear has hit them. We're going to die. They wake Jesus up. We're going to die. And he just gets up and says, you know, be still. And the, the waters stop. And What did he tell them when we started this? He said, we're going to the other side. What's going to stop you when Jesus says we're going to the other side? And they'd already forgotten that because they think, well, he's just a regular guy and he's napping in the back of the boat while we're dying. Go to the other side means there's nothing going to stop us. There's nothing in nature. This was probably stirred up by some spiritual forces, not just nature, which he dealt with all the way. And here's why you're going to discover that. Matthew 8 this is in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the story appears. So, when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake, and the region of the Gadarenes, and, and Gadara is one of the towns there in the Decapolis. So, in the region of Gadarenes, two men were, who were possessed by demons met him. They lived in a cemetery and were so violent that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance. So the demons begged, if you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded. So the demons came out of the men, entered the pigs. The whole herd plunged down, and down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned the herdsmen fled to the nearby town, telling everyone what happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the entire town came out to meet Jesus, begged him to go away and leave them alone. That makes sense. So, demon-possessed men, we find out in the other accounts that the demons identify as, as legion. So, a bunch are there. Now we're going to go through some identity. They're living in a cemetery, the place of the dead. The demonic, even these small g gods, often represent death, dead, Hades. Uh, many of them, we haven't gone through all of this, are, are uh, chained in Tartarus until the time of release, which shows up later in Revelation and there will be a time when they will be turned loose. But for now, they're, they're, they're tied up, but they are chained. And there are others who are not who have access to the world. So there's a, a mixture. And the demonic are some of those who are still around. And if you don't know all that, you're reading these words going, well, that's interesting. These demons are talking through these guys and apparently just making things up. Here's one thing they, they recognized. Now, all, all of the time Jesus shows up in other towns, he's all in Israel, he's in Galilee, he goes down to Judah, he's talking to people, he's doing these miracles, and they refer to him as son of David. Son of David, help me. Son of David, heal me. Or he does something amazing, and well, that's you know, the son of David. 
when he shows up in pagan territory, they don't read the, necessarily the Jewish scrolls. They don't know the Hebrew. They don't know the scriptures. And this dude gets off the boat, walks into the place of the dead where other people are avoiding, and they recognize him as the son of God. How do you do that? Doesn't wear a sign, no name tag. How do they do that? Because the spiritual realm is still involved. They knew. And when he stepped foot on their property, they knew he was coming. That's why the storm. Now he's there. Okay, now we're in trouble. They are concerned about him because they know that God has given them a period of time. They have a period of time until everything comes to an end for them. We know that they will be punished. And God has said he will deal with the small g gods, the demonic, the, all, the, all the levels of these spiritual beings. And they will die like men. There, there's a separation from God. They will be put into eventually into the lake of fire. So all of these things are coming about. They know that time is coming. Their end will come. So he walks onto the shore. And they're going, uh-oh. Why are you interfering with us? We're just here harassing these people, the Gadarenes. You're spooking. They're raising pigs. Who cares? You don't like that anyway. We'll just jump out and boo. And these people are going, okay. Remember the other parts of the story from uh, are the, the, the one fo- gets the main focus in the other accounts. But he's chained up and he just breaks the chains. So how do you get that kind of strength? And these guys are a little bit scary. And so... Why are you interfering with us? Interfering with what? And, they, and they're just pos- they're possessed, and, they, and they're in the place of the dead. And who'd want to bury Grandma there? I mean, just like, I don't know. Distract those guys. I'll run over here and dig a hole. It's, it's tough. If you cast us out, like that wasn't going to happen. If you cast us out, and it's, so they're trying to come up with a plan. Now, in the legion part of this, so that we've got a, a, a bunch of them, which sounds like, man, they are super powerful. I want you to think of that in another way. Why would it take that many of them, and why are they all grouped up hanging out with these guys? In that one account, it's the one guy. So the legion is there in one person. We're tied up. We've got a, we're tied up inside a situation that is... Uh, it would seem huge, but on the, uh, the other side of this is they're so um, limited in their ability that even that many of them, even though they can break chains and they can live in the place of the dead, these aren't the, these aren't the powerful. These aren't the high level. These are low level and a bunch of them. You ever just walk out in a field and got a bunch of seed ticks on your leg? They're kind of creepy. There's a bunch of them, and you want them off. They're a bother but they're not the same as a rattlesnake. So you get one rattlesnake is worse than a whole bunch of seed ticks. That's kind of what we're dealing with here. This is serious. I mean, it's, not that, it's serious, but not that serious. These guys are still low level. There's a bunch of them, and they recognize Jesus because they know him from out there. 
They know who, who God is. They know who the Most High is. They know who the Son of the Most High is. And bam, they all come together. So that's, the, that's what's happening. When Jesus arrived at the other side of the lake, the region of the Gadarenes, two men possessed with demons lived in the place of the dead. So violent, people couldn't go there. So Jesus is going to make it accessible. He's going to put life in this place. It's going to change. This is all unfolding and happening as these guys are dealing with it. But he's gone to the nations. He's gone out of Israel. He's gone out of Jewish territory into the, the nations. So he's in, the, in this Decapolis, the, plate, the Roman area. So it's a whole different kind of a uh, scenario where he's, he's letting people know, I am the Lord of the nations. I am not just the Lord of Israel. I've come to bring all the Gentiles, all the nations of the world back. That's what he's going to do. So much more in the Gospels about that. But we're going to jump to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, this is overcoming the division of, of languages. Acts 2, 9 through 11. And the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, Jesus has, has left the earth. That's in chapter 1. He's returned to the Father. He's seated at the right hand of the throne. And he sends the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is now arrived in Acts chapter 2 and we get the story of that and and how the people began to speak in various languages when this thing breaks loose so it, it, it's it's the gathering of the people and they they are celebrating so there's potentially a million people gathered in Jerusalem from all over the world and they're hearing them uh, speak in these various languages when they come out and this is like nine in the morning so they're coming out people are in, in the streets and they hear them and this is the list from Acts 2 here we are Parthians Medes Elamites people from Mesopotamia Judea Cappadocia Pontus in the province of Asia Phrygia Pamphylia Egypt and the areas uh, of Libya around Cyrene so we're talking North Africa they're visitors from Rome both Jews and converts to Judaism Cretans and Arabs and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So now all of the languages that divided everyone before in Genesis 11 and moved them around the world, here's people from around the world come to Jerusalem and they hear in their own language. Everyone is joined together in oneness in and around uh, what Jesus has done and they're hearing the wonderful things that God has done. All, all of this is come back together. All, all of that is happening as, as Jesus has died on the cross, rose from the dead. Remember, he dies on the cross, goes to the place of the dead. He's raised, overcomes death and the dead, and the place of the dead. All of that breaks this thing loose. Just, that breaks all kinds of things for us physically and as human beings and as uh, in the spiritual world. It just it rocked it. All that he did, and the Holy Spirit's come to take what Jesus had done and spread that among the people, so now they're, they're coming back together. But these places, when you look at them, again, there's a list of, of names, and you go, okay, I read through that, I'm moving on to something I, I get something out of. So here we're going to start with, this is Mesopotamia. It begins on the eastern side of, of Mesopotamia. So you've got Parthians and Medes, or go past... Iran and Afghanistan and you go that direction and then you start coming to the west and you move across that's what this these 
how he started telling these stories. In Genesis chapter 11, we go off to Mesopotamia, and then they spread, and they go to Europe, and then they go down into Africa, and we got the same spread. We're covering the same land, and we're coming back across like he uh, is just looking at this going, wow, this is what happened when it spread, and this is what happened when it came back together. And it moves across. You can read through the whole list, and you go, oh my gosh, this overlays. Then you find out that there's something missing. Tarshish, which is Spain. It's on the far end of the Mediterranean. It's not covered. It's in the Genesis 11, and, that's, and Genesis 11 doesn't mean everybody, nor South America. It, it does mean everybody eventually, but right then, it, that's how far it got out. So now we're doing this thing. It's an echo, bringing it all back together. But Tarshish is not in this list. So we have a, an outline of how God is going, to, is going to do this work. It's to the Jew first, and then to the Greek, or to the Gentile nations. So he's going to begin in Jerusalem and Judea and then to Samaria and then to the remotest parts of the earth, Acts 1.8. He's going to go all out, but that outline is what the book of Acts represents and gives us. So the Jews are covered. There is a push. Paul comes to know the Lord, and as he is... uh, as the Lord teaches him, he realizes, oh, I am the absolute cream of the crop of Jewish culture. He is the guy, the most training. Uh, he, he's, he is out killing people in the church. I mean, this, he is dead set on being that guy. Then the Lord gets a hold of him, and he goes, oh, that was wrong. I need to go another direction, so I'm going to go... Uh, now that I recognize the Messiah, who Jesus is, and what he's trying to do, and the Lord lays on him, now you're going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Oh, no, not the Gentiles. The, totally the opposite of everything he hoped. So now he's going out to the nations, to the world. He actually grew up in, in a Greek city, Roman citizen, and he had that background. He just didn't want to do that. Now he's the guy. He goes out. He goes to all of the places you've seen on the maps. You can look in the back of your Bible and outline uh, Paul's missionary journeys. He has this hope, and he writes it in Romans. He's, in, he's been in prison. He's, he's in chains for two years. And he says to the people in Rome, he hasn't gone there yet. And he says, I want to see you so bad, but... I will stop by and visit a little while on my way to Spain. And he was convinced that he would not die until he had reached Tarshish. Why? It's the last one on the list. It brings it all together. And he kept going. And so we have a story of God, the the division of the people, then a bringing back of the people to come into Jesus, the hope of the world, and then coming together again in God, discovering purpose, being able to one day turn this planet into that Garden of Eden intended at the beginning. We've got a little hiccup here in the middle, but it's going to get straightened out, and he is at work doing it. And we get to see that just looking through history, looking through the pages of Scripture, we can see how this thing has 
erupted, broken down, and how God is trying to, in the process of putting this back together. There's a lot. Okay, reframe. Reframe. The nations, though in rebellion to God, are loved by him. He doesn't want to lose them. He wants to bring them back. The division which was imposed is not impossible for God to overcome. There are punishments, there are consequences, there are things we don't understand because we don't know what all is happening behind the veil. We don't understand the spiritual world that's out there except when God gives us a peek so we can go, okay, there's more to this story. I don't understand why so-and-so did. You go, you know, there are other forces at work and they are powerful and they are a whole lot bigger than Legion in Matthew 8. These are national entities who can influence leaders and move. That's how the Taliban took over Afghanistan. You just have to have some help. And man, it can happen in a few days. So, what can God do? He is the Most High. When Jesus is recognized by the evil ones, the, the demons, the, the dark angels, the others, they know who he is. And they reverence. They know their time is limited. They're just still in rebellion. So why don't we recognize him, the Son of God, the Most High, who's greater than all others? It is not impossible for God to overcome. The Lord will redeem rebels who come to him. Human rebels. The spiritual ones who actually recognize him have seen him on the throne, and yet they rebelled. So there's no coming back for them. But for humans, the Lord will redeem rebels who come to him. There is hope. Hope for people, hope for nations, hope for the world, because Christ has come, and God is at work. And he's bringing it back. It is amazing, amazing all that he is doing. So, reframe, renew, return. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the work you're doing, for showing yourself, for revealing yourself through history, through cultures, through languages, through the nations, then and now. Thank you for Jesus, the hope of the world. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.